chapter number 100. We'll read the whole thing, which is about five verses. That's less than what Isaac quoted to you this morning during our song service, okay? And so we'll, we'll look at this together. Maybe a familiar psalm to you. I know it is to me. It's been a blessing as I've studied that. Let's, let's look at it together. Psalm 100, verse number one says this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Let's ask for the Lord to help us. We're going to dive into these five short verses this morning. See what the Lord has for us. Let's pray. Father, and, uh, you know, we've now turned that corner and, and now we've got a lot of things uh, coming before us with, with all the Christmas season that's, that's happening and, and uh, there's, there's all kinds of things. I mean, everywhere that you go now, Christmas music is going to be playing. It was already playing, but now especially it's going to be playing all over the place. You're going to hear it everywhere. Christmas decorations all over the place and lights and things like that. And, and it's finally that time of the year. I mean, the rest of the year we would drive around and every time we'd see some place that had some lights, our kids would say, oh, Christmas lights. It didn't matter if it was July or, or September or whatever, they'd see lights and they said it was Christmas lights. But now officially, they are Christmas lights. And, uh, you know, and so we're going to enjoy those and, and seeing some of those things. And there's going to be parties that you're going to and people that you're going to see, family get-togethers and, and uh, gifts that you're going to have to buy. And There's just excitement all over the place. And then we turn the corner into the new year and, and, and there's just so much going on. There's so many things that are happening and, and as a pastor now as uh, uh, the church here and, and praying about the direction for the new year and some different things and, and finalizing the calendar. There's a lot of things going on. There, there's a lot of things that are happening and it's so easy in the midst of, of everything going on and all the glitter and, and the lights that are captivating our attention. It, it can be so easy to forget God. You say, how, how does that even happen? To forget, forget about God? Well, well we, we minimize His magnitude in our life. All the other things become so big and so bright and so shiny and, and, uh, and, and it's so much everything that we're, we're looking over here and over here and over here and over here and, and all kinds of things going on that, that we forget about God. Every once in a while, you'll hear somebody say this. No doubt in the, in the, the day, days to come, you'll hear somebody say, don't forget, Jesus is the reason for the season. And you'll hear somebody say that. And, and no doubt that's true. That's, that's obviously true. But, but the fact is, is Jesus is the reason for every season, okay? Every day of the year, every, every season that we go throughout the year. Listen, Jesus ought to be our focus. And yet so many times, He's forgotten. You know, one of the sad things about this time of the year, it's, it's, it's just statistically true. There are more people that take their own life during the holidays than any other time of the year. That's a sad, sad fact, a sad statistic. Uh, and, and, and you think, you know, amidst all of the excitement, all the fun, and all the, the things that are going on, and, and all the things that you have on your plate, you think, how could somebody not be excited? But we were just talking over in Sunday school this morning that, that this time of the year for some people is a very painful time. It's a very hard time. There, there are people that maybe lost a loved one during the year. Now they're going into the holidays for the first time without them. And, and it can be a very difficult time of the year. And, and that's hard. And, and the truth is, is if, 
if all of our attention is just on the lights and the glitter and the glamour and the parties and the gifts and, and all of those things, it's no wonder that people don't have hope. And so for a few moments this morning, as we launch into this, this month and we end this year, I, I hope that that as you go into this month, that you will enjoy some eggnog. We, we've talked about it before. Listen, uh, my family growing up, we never, never drank eggnog. And then whenever I married Tressa and I drank eggnog for the first time, I was introduced to this wonderful gift of life. And, and uh, you know, eggnog, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. And how many of you in this room don't like eggnog? Is there anybody here that doesn't like eggnog? There's a few of you. Okay, weirdos. All right. So, but uh, listen, I mean, for, for like 18 years of my life, 19 years of my life, I didn't, hadn't enjoyed it. And so I'm catching up, all right? I'm drinking a lot of eggnog. No, I love, I enjoy eggnog, especially enjoy like, and I'm not a pumpkin spice person, but I enjoy the pumpkin spice eggnog, okay? I mean, it's good stuff, and, and I hope you're able to enjoy some eggnog, and I hope you're able to, to spend some time with family and, and enjoy some parties, and I hope that you cut down a tree, and, 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 and you maybe, you know, you, you give some presents away and you collect a few for yourselves. I, I hope you get to do all of those things, but before you do any of that, This morning, I want us to turn our attention to the real meaning of this season and every season throughout the year. For a few moments, I want us to turn our attention and and really set the direction for for finishing out this year and, and starting the next year on track. I want us to bring our minds together and for a few moments, bring our hearts together and turn them to the one that they should be turned to. Turn them to the Lord. This morning, where is your attention? Because while there's so many things pulling for it, there's only one that deserves it. That is the Lord. There's a lot of psalms that that say some really awesome things. In fact, the psalms are a wonderful place to spend your time in and and to get so much out of. But I don't know, there's not very many psalms that bring more praise, honor, and glory to God than Psalm 100. And so this morning, for a few moments, we're going we're gonna to just focus our attention on this verse, this passage, that, that brings all the glory and draws all the attention to the Lord. See, this, this psalm comes with a title to begin it. Maybe in your Bible, if you've got it in front of you, I know in mine, at the top of it, it says this, a psalm of praise. It says that at the top of, of this passage. You know, that's, that's actually in the original Hebrew. That was actually a part of the Scriptures. It's not just a title that somebody put above it. No, it, it literally says a psalm of praise, and that's what this psalm is all about. It's an adequate description. In five small version, all attention is directed toward God 16 times. God is referenced in this, these five verses. Verses 1 and 2 and 4, they give our response to what we know about Him. And verses 3 and 5 give insight into why we should respond that way. So before we, we dive into our response, let's, let's give Him first priority. And take a look for just a moment at who He is according to the Word of God. This morning, let's, let's look from Psalm 100 and see who God is. It begins in verse number 3. It says this, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. You know, the first thing that we learn about God and who He is, is that He is Creator. He is Creator. 
And the, the first phrase of that, that verse, we're reminded from the Hebrew that Jehovah is Elohim. It literally means the Lord, He is God. It, it, the Lord, God. That's, that's what it says there. It's just a reminder of exactly who He is. He is supreme. And then He further drives home this truth of who He is. He is God and He is Creator by diving into the very first attribute of God that we find in the Scriptures. All the way back in Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 1, it tells us in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It was the very first attribute that we learn about God. That God in the beginning, He was self-existent, that He created. It was the very first action that He did. He created the heaven and the earth. And we see as you go all the way through that first chapter, all the different things that He created, all the things that exist on this earth that He created with the very spoken Word of God. In Psalm 1, verse number 3, it says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And then you come to verse number 26. And it says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him. Male and female created He them. We find that God created man. God created the, the, from the dust of the earth. He created man. He created a, 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 a living being. We find that in, in, in chapter number 2 of, of Genesis. And verse number 7 says, And Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And then man became a living soul with the, the spoken word of God after He created the earth and all that was contained in it. God spoke And man was formed. And then God breathed into his nostrils, the Bible says, the breath of life. My my kids, they they enjoy Play-Doh. Uh, we, if you if you've if you've seen a child before, you know that children enjoy Play-Doh. I mean, it's it's a great thing to get stuck in carpets and in places that you can never get them out of. Okay, but uh, I mean that's, that's they 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 love to play with Play-Doh. They're always asking to play with Play-Doh. Please don't get my kids Play-Doh. Okay, uh, we have so much of it, um, but but they love to get it, and you know it all it always shows up and. All the different colors and things like that. And after you use it the first time, it's all just mixed together and you have a, a big brown color. And that's, that's pretty much the way that it works. And, uh, but, they, but they love to play with Play-Doh and they love to make all kinds of things. And it's interesting as they get a little bit older, some of the things that they can make. You know, at first they make, you know, like hamburger patties and snakes. I mean, like that's pretty much uh, the, the, the capacity that they're able to make. But as they get older, and, and now Jason, even Kanoa, some of the times they'll sit down and they'll make things out of it that, that's really pretty cool. I mean, they, they can go and they can form things out of these and make little animals and stuff like that. And, and uh, it's, it's amazing some of the things that they can do. But do you understand, no matter how great of an artist that they are or may become, nothing that they make is coming alive. Not, nothing is going to, to all of a sudden, I mean, that would be kind of creepy. You know, if all of a sudden they're like, hey, daddy, here's a man. And, and all of a sudden it's, hey, how's it going? You know what I mean? Like that, that's not going to happen. It's, it's just not because they don't have that ability. They don't have that power to do that. You've probably seen uh, mannequins and, and, and things that, that people can make. It's amazing some of the stunt double uh, you know, f- things that they can make for movies and things like that that look like a real 
person. Maybe you've seen uh, people that have, maybe you've been to one, one of the wax museums, right? And people walk into the wax museum and, and they've got all these, these figures that, that look so alive. And then, you know, every once in a while they'll stick an actual person in there and, and you're walking through and, and they're like, hey, you know, and, and it scares people to death because you're not expecting something that's not supposed to be alive to suddenly come alive. I mean, that's just, that, why? Because we, we can't make life. It's only something God can do. In, in John chapter number 1, verse number 4, it says, In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. God, God is the one that, that has the power to give life. Because why? Because He is Creator of God. He is the one that breathes life into things. What better way to start drawing attention to the power and the magnitude and the glory of God than to begin with what only He can do. Give life. As creator. He's creator. Not only that, he says this, he's shepherd. He's shepherd. Look again at verse number 3. It says this, he, Know ye, the Lord, he is God, is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I haven't had a lot of time with sheep, but I've had enough to, to realize how dumb and frustrating that they are. I mean, it's just, it's just the fact of nature. I mean, if you spend any time around, I mean, like if you don't have sheep, you look at them and say, man, they're so cute and they're so cuddly and, and you know, they're, they're all these, so sweet and all these things. If you have sheep, you know they're just frustrating. I mean, it's just, it's just constant frustration with them. At least that's been my experience for a, for a period of time. Joe and Renee, my father-in-law and mother-in-law, they, they lived over here in, in Whitehall on a sheep ranch. And on this, this sheep ranch, they, they had... Hundreds of sheep, hundreds of sheep, and, and, and there were a few times that they, they went away and I had to come over and help take care of them, and, and it was during those times that I realized I was never, ever going to own sheep, because they are so frustrating, and uh, I mean, sheep are just, they're dumb, they, they just are, they're, they're always trying to get where they're not supposed to go, they're, they're, they're constantly getting into trouble, I mean, uh, you, you'd be driving the tractor with a hay bale on the front of it, and they'd just stand there in front of it. And it was like, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this hay bale on you and you are going to die. I mean, like, that's, that's how you feel. And you got to bump them and finally they move out of the way. And, and it's just, it's insane. I mean, they're just, they're dumb, dumb creatures. And, and, and taking care of sheep is a frustrating, frustrating job. So can you imagine what it must be like to be God? Because we're the sheep of his pasture. I mean, constantly dealing with people doing things they're not supposed to do. Finding themselves in trouble and then begging for help to get out of it. I mean, being totally ignorant to the danger that could destroy their lives that's right around the corner so many times. And yet, he still remains a loving shepherd. John 10 gives us a little insight into it. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am am known of mine. He says... As the Father knoweth me, even so know I of the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. That's the love that he has. Realize it could be that, that maybe there's someone here today that, that you aren't one of God's sheep. Now listen, it doesn't mean you're not dumb like the rest of us, okay? It just means that, listen, you're not part of the pasture. You're not part of the flock. I remember... One time that I, that I went over there to, to help with, with the sheep and things, and, and nobody would, they, they had gone, and so I'm taking care of the sheep, and just like always, the sheep had gotten out, and, 
And uh, I found out why. One of the sheep had, had decided to stick its head through the fence. And it's not like a fence like we, we would have, you know, barbed wire fence with poles and things like that. It was a, a mesh fence that they would electrify and that would keep the, the sheep inside of it. But, but this dumb sheep decided that it was going to, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And, and so it stuck its head through the, one of the, the webbings on the, uh, that fence and it got caught and it couldn't get through. And so it stuck its leg through it. And before you know it, it was all tangled up in the, in the webbing of that fence. And, and uh, I went around and I found this sheep and it was all tangled up in that, that, that fence. And, and while it was there on the ground, you, you could see it was, it was tangled around its neck and it went down to its foot. And it was, it was attached around there and the whole, the whole time it would sit there and it would try to get away. And as it would pull on that, that string with its foot, it would tighten that noose around its neck. And I'm there, I'm trying to help this dumb sheep, trying to get it out of this net, and it just, I mean, just constantly just fighting me, and, and pushing with its foot, and, and I mean, it's just tightening and tightening and tightening, and I'm like, you dumb thing, stop, you know, I'm trying to help you, I'm trying to save your life, and trying to get the thing off of there, and finally to pull out a knife and cut the fence to get the sheep out to finally free the thing, but the whole thing, I mean, the whole time, it's sitting there like, I can do this. I can do this. Like, no, you did this. I'm trying to get you out of it, you know? I mean, just, just stop fighting against it and let me help you. And, and listen, the truth is this, we're the same way. You see, before you come to know Jesus as your Savior, there's so many people that try to get to heaven and obtain eternity their own way. I mean, it's just like, you know, I know it's just, it's just right on the other side, and, and so I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll figure out how to do it. And, and I, I know, okay, I'll just be a, a good person, and that, that'll be enough. And, and I'll go to church, and that'll be enough. And, and I'll give some money to the church, and that'll be enough. And, and I'll, maybe I'll get baptized, and that'll be enough. And, 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 and you know what you're doing? You're, you're just fighting. And you know what you're doing? You're just pulling that noose a little tighter and a little tighter. And a little tighter, I, I've sat down with people that were later on in the years of their life, that were maybe in their 70s, their 80s, 90s, who for so long had struggled to try to obtain salvation through the things that they did. That Let's just say, I mean, say it this way, I mean, the noose was so tight, there was no way to even get it off. It didn't matter what, what verses I showed them from the scriptures, it, it, they, they already had their mind made up, they already knew I'm going to do it on my own. And Jesus comes along and says, listen, I want to give you life and give you more abundantly. The Bible says all of sin comes short of the glory of God, but God commendeth He demonstrated His love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in your place. The wage of sin is death. He died for you. No, I can do it. Oh, I'm just going to pull a little harder and then... <coughs> and you never get out. And the Bible tells us that the wage of our sin is eternity in a lake of fire. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Jesus comes along and, and with His death that He paid for you, He can cut loose those binds that keep you, the binds of sin. He can cut you free of that webbing that keeps you from, from, from experiencing the freedom that there is in knowing Christ as your Savior and realizing it's not about what you can do to obtain salvation. No, it's about what Jesus did already on the cross. And friend, maybe you're here this morning and, and you're not part of the flock. 
because you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Friend, I can tell you, you can play this game for years, for decades, for your entire life. You can run this race and try to do it on your own. And can I tell you this? You're just tangling yourself up more and more to the point that you'll think, well, I think I've done enough. All the while, you have no idea. You're so tangled up, you don't even know which way's up. And Jesus says, listen, I can give you life if you just trust in me. Friend, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, can I just say it lovingly this way? He's not your shepherd. He's not your shepherd. But He can be. He can be today. He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to accept Him as your Savior. The only way to escape is not to trust in yourself, but to trust in the Good Shepherd. In John chapter number 10, verse 27, He says, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them. They follow Me, and I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. You can trust Him today and make Him the shepherd of your life. Listen, friend, He's he's a faithful shepherd to His sheep. In Matthew 7, verse number 11, he says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask Him? Do you understand? God is a good, and He is a loving, and He is a gracious shepherd. And He loves and He cares for His sheep. No matter how dumb you may be, listen, I mean, we're all dumb sheep. I mean, it's just it's what it is. No matter how many times you get yourself into trouble, no matter how many times you may stray away from the flock, listen, he'll leave the 99 and he will seek after you. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. He's a faithful shepherd that loves you. And this morning, friend, I hope you understand just who God is. Oh, listen, he's creator. If it wasn't for him, you couldn't even breathe. Oh, this, this God, he, he, he is shepherd, and He's a good one. I can tell you this, he, He's faithful. He's faithful. Look at verse number 5, He says this, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, His truth endureth to all generations. You, you can almost hear the psalmist just <sighs> sighing, total just fulfillment as he writes those words. You know, the Lord... He's good. I mean, it almost feels like an understatement, does it? I mean, like, it's just like, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, just, he's just good. So good. Can I, can I tell you this? He's, he's good all the time. See, when, when life is going well, the, the Lord is, is good. And when life is falling apart... The Lord is good. When all the family is getting along at Thanksgiving, the Lord is good. And, and when the family can't stand each other and there's fighting and bickering and, and arguing and, and, and people are throwing food at each other. And, you know, and listen, the Lord is still good. When there's money in the bank for gifts at Christmas time, the Lord is good. And when you don't know how you're going to be even to pay the bills, the Lord is good. In every situation, in every circumstance, listen, the the Lord is good. And and he continues the thought. He says, and his mercy is everlasting. We've spoken about this this reality 
over the last few weeks in the, in, in the book of James that, listen, I need the mercy of God every day all the time. Each and every one of us do because, because we all understand that we do deserve judgment. We deserve pain. And, and God is, is merciful. And, and Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. God is, is a merciful, gracious God. And I'm so grateful for it because if it wasn't for the mercy of God, I would be condemned. And yet He's merciful. Psalm 136, 26 times, the psalmist reminds us that His mercy endureth forever. Do you understand what that means? It means no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, just like that prodigal son's father, he's standing there offering mercy. No matter how far away you may feel from God, He's still there offering mercy, ready to welcome you home. Oh, listen, I've talked to people, and they have told me, they said, listen, I'm just having a hard time even coming back to church because I haven't been there so long. And what will people think? You know what I told them? Who cares? Who cares? Do you realize that the, the prodigal son, he didn't care what anybody thought. You know how I know? Because his other brother hated him for coming home. <laughs> he didn't care. You know what he knew? He knew he had a gracious father. He didn't know how good he was, but he knew he had a merciful father. And listen, friend, it doesn't matter where you are this morning. Maybe you walked in the doors of this church thinking, listen, if I walk in the doors of this church, it may collapse on me. Can I tell you who God is? He's faithful and He's merciful. He's merciful. We often sing that song, and it's one of my favorites that we sing in the church. My sins, they are many. But His mercy... Is more. Oh, God is searching for opportunities to give us mercy because, listen, that's who He is. He is merciful, He is faithful. And then He says this this is, this is cool, okay? The end of verse number five there. Listen, listen to what He says For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting. He says this, and His truth endureth to all. Generations. Now this is, this is interesting. This is, this is really a cool thing about this verse. Because that word truth in verse number 5 is the word, the Hebrew word, immunot. Okay? I think that's how it's pronounced. If it's not, you'll believe that it is because I said it that way. Okay? Uh, that, that it's the Hebrew word immunot. Okay? That, that word is found 48 times in the Bible. This is one of them. Now here's what's cool. 36 of those times, it's translated into our English language as Faithful, faithfulness, or faithfully. The majority of those times, it just means, it literally means, listen, faithful. It's faithful. So, so we could say it this way in verse number 5. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His faithfulness endureth to all generations. But they use truth. Now, now here's what's so cool about this. Because God is faithful, that is who He is. Kind of like He is merciful. Because God is faithful, listen, listen this, is, this is cool. His truth never fails. 
His truth never fails. Well, why is that a big deal, Kyle? Well, we know this. The promises of this book, they they will never fail. Because that's who God is. That's who God is. The truths of this book, listen, do you know what they're based upon? They're based upon a faithful God who gave them to us. Who will never fail. In Psalm 119 verse 89, he said, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. No, listen, friend. The psalmist here is saying that the Lord himself is faithful. And because of who he is, he will never fail. And his truth will never fail. That's why we can do what we said last week. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. We can trust in the Lord with all our heart. And lean not on our own understanding. Listen friend. In all our ways we cannot acknowledge him. We can know him. And he will direct our path. Why? Because he is faithful here friend listen we if you put your trust in a person can i tell you what they're going to do they're going to let you down because we're we're not faithful now we may have periods of faithfulness i hope that 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 you are faithful to your spouse i hope you are faithful to your children i hope you are a faithful son a faithful daughter a faithful granddaughter a faithful grandson i hope you're faithful in those ways but but listen when we talk about faithfulness and being faithful it doesn't mean the same things that it means to god because while we will try to be faithful, there are going to be times that we are going to fail. I preached a few weeks ago uh, about the, in James, where, where he talked about the, 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 the burden that's laid upon a preacher, a pastor. Why? Because of the, the weight of, of portraying the scriptures and how important it is and how, how vital it is to portray it clearly and, 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 and powerfully in the right way and to preach it within the context and things like that. But I told you on that Sunday that listen, there's going to be Sundays where this preacher is going to fail there's going to be days of the week Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday Saturday that that the preacher is going to fail there's going to be days as a husband that I'm going to fail there's going to be days as a father and a son that I'm going to to fail and and listen it's true in your life as as well while we try to be faithful there's going to be times where we're going to fail but there's one who never fails that's that's our Lord. It's just His very makeup. It's, it's, it's what He's composed of. He is made of faithfulness. He cannot fail. And His truth will never fail because of it. And we can trust in Him. And that's a wonderful, wonderful promise that when everyone else in this world may let you down, and maybe you came out of Thanksgiving and you went into it with all high hopes and expectations and excitement, and when you left away from the family, you're like, man, it's a mess. It's a wreck. Maybe you felt a little let down. I'll tell you, don't be discouraged. Because there's one who will never fail you. And that's the Lord. Oh friend, we've just scratched the surface of who God is. He's creator. He's our shepherd. He's faithful. And we could go on and on and on. And maybe we should just spend the rest of our service doing that, pointing to the author and finisher of our faith. But I don't want to miss the response that we should have to who he is. Because you understand that, that when we recognize who he is, 
It should cause us to change some things. It should cause us to alter some things. It should cause us to respond to Him. And thankfully, the Psalms give us exactly how we should respond. See, first of all, as we turn our full attention to Him, it should provoke the natural reaction of an audible response. This is cool. Look, look with me at verse number 1 and 2. Because of who He is, we saw that in verses 3 and 5, He says this, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Listen, this should be the natural response, not to what God does. You understand this, okay? There are times in our life where circumstances are not great. You ever been there, right? Where things aren't good, you know, where, where, where maybe uh, things aren't going great at work, or maybe there's a little odds a, a, in the house, and, and maybe the kids aren't doing the way that you thought they should do, and, and you go through those things. And there's some times where, where you're sitting there, and you're like, ah, listen, your circumstances don't determine if God is good. And your ter- circumstances shouldn't dis- determine how you respond to who God is. Because God has never changed. While your circumstances may, God doesn't. And our response is not based upon our circumstances. Our response is based upon who God is, the perfect, unchangeable God. And how should we respond? He tells us we should respond audibly. He's creator, He's shepherd, He's faithful, and the very reality of who God is should cause us to audibly respond. I like this. It says this, make a joyful noise. It literally means to shout. That's what it means, to shout. It's, it's kind of like a, a battle cry that maybe they would yell or out, they would yell, and, 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 and excitement, and they scream. Listen, it was, it was this, I mean, just, yeah! You know, it's just this, it's, it's, that's what it means, to shout. Yesterday, for a few moments, I, I sat down, and I haven't watched a lot of football this year, but, but yesterday, there was some big games that were on and things, and, and yesterday, Ohio State played Michigan, okay, in college football, and, uh, and, and most, there's a lot of you probably don't care, okay, it probably means nothing to you, but I grew up in, in the Midwest, I grew up a fan of the Big Ten, and so because I'm part of the Big Ten conference, uh, that, that means that I knew who Michigan and Ohio State was. Now listen, as an Indiana Hoosier, we don't care about football because they're, they're always terrible, okay? That's just the way that it is, okay? But, but we, I enjoy it, alright? And yesterday was this great rivalry, rivalry, Ohio State versus Michigan, and, and they'd been talking about it all week long, and all excited about it and things, and it was two, uh, two teams that were undefeated, neither one had, had lost, 11-0 and 11-0, and, and, and they're coming into this game ranked number two and number three and, and I mean now all week long I was listening to stuff and some of them were well yeah Ohio State's going to blow away Michigan oh Michigan's going to blow away Ohio State and I'm looking online and all my friends are going back and forth with each other and I don't really care so I'm just you know eating the popcorn and, and, you know it was just cool you know just just seeing and so yesterday I, I flipped the game on and it started into the second half and it was a close game going to the second half and I was like, man, this, it really is it's living up to the expectation. This is going to be great and, and, and all this different stuff. And I flipped it on. I haven't watched football all year. I'm like, man, I'm excited. A good second half. And, and Michigan just blew out Ohio State the second half. I mean, it was close the whole first half. Second half, they just blew them away. I mean, it wasn't, even, it wasn't even a game. They ended up winning. I think the final score was like 23 to 45 or something. I mean, it just, just blew them out of the water. And I was like, oh, good. You know, I guess I'm a Michigan fan now. You know, I don't know. And, uh, and it was just, it, it was just the, the way the game went. But, but I'll tell you this. As the game was going on, I saw it happen a couple of times. 
I mean, like, there were some moments where, where Michigan, I mean, Ohio State did nothing in the second half, but the Michigan fans, I mean, they're playing in Ohio State, in the big horseshoe, hundred and something thousand fans there. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? And uh, this whole sea of red, and there's just a few little dots of yellow and blue, you know? And, and I mean, like, you, you see, and, and, and the camera would pan over, and, and maybe Michigan make this good play, maybe make a throw, and they run in for a touchdown. And you'd see the fans just going crazy. Oh, yeah! I mean, they're screaming, they're jumping up and down, they're fired up because they scored a touchdown or they made a big play. Or what, I mean, they're just, they're fired up, they're excited. And then you pan over to Ohio State fans, and, and many times there's, they'd show guys just, and that's how they were. Oh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that was what it was. I mean, it was a battle cry. The game ended in Ohio State's, you know, they're somberly making their way to the locker room. And, and the Michigan fans are out there jumping up and down, chanting and, and yelling and all these things. I mean, they were excited. Why? Because they won the game. I mean, it was their battle cry, right? What the Bible says here, make a joyful noise, all you lands. Do you know our natural response to hearing about God and His Word should be an audible response? We're not talking about being irreverent, okay? We're not, we're not sitting there, you know, it's not like one team versus the other team. You're sticking your tongue out the other team. That's not, that's not the way this is supposed to be. But you know what it should be? It should be, I mean, there should just be something inside of you that just... Whoa! I mean, like, yeah, we're on the winning side, right? I mean, like, we win. You read the end of the book. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, spoiler alert, we win. Oh, that's the end of the game. That's the way that it works. There should be something in your heart that stirs when we talk about God. Listen, He's the captain of our team. He's the coach of our squad. I mean, He's our everything. Listen, here's what's cool. He's already played the game. He already won. And we just get to tag along. I mean, it's amazing. We get the championship ring at the end of it. I mean, we get the, the trophy at the end. And we didn't have to do anything. I mean, he did it all. When we talk about God, it should make us excited. It should stir something in us. You know, that, listen, we're going to go Old Testament here for a second, okay? Old Testament. Like an Old Testament. I mean, like you think, like New Testament, there were some things that happened. And t- but Old, I mean, we're talking Old Testament, right? This is where you're like supposed to be somber and, oh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. and You know, I mean, like that's, that's kind of the attitude that you're supposed to have and things like that. Nehemiah. I mean, that's, one, that's another one in Nehemiah. You get to the middle of Nehemiah. And Ezra stands... It's so cool. He stands on a pulpit of wood. I, you know, that was, that's so cool. We've, we've talked about this before. I mean, he literally stands on top of the pulpit. We made this one with some metal and steel and things like that, just in case I ever get the, you know, the feeling to like hop up here and, you know, it'll hold me up, right? You know, and so, but no, he stands on a pulpit of wood. And the Bible says he, he opens the books before the people in the sight of all the people. And the people stood up and, and he begins to, to read the word of God to him from, and I, I believe he said from morning till midday. I mean, they just stand there and he just read the Old Testament. Testament. You thought it was boring. I mean, like, that was what they had. He just stood there, and he was like, all right, turn over to Genesis chapter number one. In the beginning, God created. And I mean, like, that's what they did for hours. Now, listen, if I did that, every one of you would be asleep, okay? I mean, there's a few of you. I'm, like, bouncing around this morning. There's a few of you that already have fallen asleep. I'm just kidding. No, but I mean, like, that's, that's the reaction that we have, right? I mean, like, that, but that, that's not what they did. You know what the Bible says? They answered him audibly. You know what they said? Amen. And it says it twice. Amen. They said it two times. And it says that they lifted up their hands. Whoa! I mean, like, that's what they... I mean, like, I don't know what it was like, but it's, amen! Amen! You know what they did? 
they answered audibly to God. What the Bible tells us in Psalm 32, verse number 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Some of you are not upright in heart, and that's the reason you don't shout for joy, okay? And you get some things right. But that's what it says. We're supposed to shout for joy. Listen to this, Psalm 35, verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor the righteous cause. Yea, let them be say, say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Hey, shout for joy and be glad. Isaiah 44, verse 23. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest. Every tree therein, for the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Hey, shout for the Lord. That's what it says. That's what we're supposed to do. Make a joyful noise, all ye lands. This says this, serve the Lord with gladness. So this, is, this is so cool. Okay, we've talked about this before. A little while back. When it says serve here, that word serve, it brings the idea of worship. Worship. Literally, your service is a worship to the Lord. The things that you do as you serve, not just, listen, understand this, okay? This is big. Serving is not just about in the church. This is, that's definitely a part of it, okay? That's why we have this little, little card here. Wherever it is, Isaac hides it from me. There it is. Okay, we've got this little, this little card. I want to help, right? You know, and you fill this out. And, hey, I want to I serve in this way, okay? I want to serve in this capacity. I will plug in here. Listen, that's a blessing. We need more people to serve in the church. But I tell you this, serving is not just in the church. It's every part of your life. Everything that you do. Listen, Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm going to tell you. There are a lot, of, a lot of dishes. So I made sure that I was the one doing the dishes the night before Thanksgiving, okay? So I didn't have to do it on Thanksgiving Day. But listen, when you're doing the dishes, what do you do? You're serving. You're serving. Hey, listen, when, 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 you, pull, when you pull over because somebody's got car trouble on the side of the road and, and you help them out, what are you, what are you doing? You're serving. You go out, you, you, this last week we split some wood for, for my father-in-law. What were we doing? We were, we were serving. Listen, you know what the Bible tells us? In, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, Whether therefore you eat, or you drink, or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. Everything in your life, every part of your life, when you are serving, you should do it as unto the Lord. You are serving God. And listen, it's when you serve, you know what you're doing? You're worshiping. You're worshiping. And then it says that we're supposed to come for his presence, come before his presence with singing. With singing. Now this is this is cool because because each part of this ties together. The, the, you, you go back and you look at the definitions of the I mean, like it's a, you should do it yourself. You'd just be like, wow, that is really what it means. Okay? Uh, but I'm gonna tell you, okay? He he says there at the beginning, make a joyful noise. And then he says, serve the Lord with gladness. And then he says this, come for his presence with singing. I don't have to tell you what type of singing it is. Can I tell you what it is? I'll tell you, okay? You're wondering. I, it's joyful. You, you look up the definition, it literally says, joyful singing. You know what gladness is? It's, it's, it's joyful. You, we should have joy. The Christian life should have joy. 
One of, my, one of our favorite songs that, that we sing this time of the year, and we'll, no doubt we'll sing it one of these Sundays, I'm sure, maybe one of the first ones that we sing, and, and really, we can sing it all year long, because it's not about Christmas, it's actually about the second coming of Christ, but it's the, word, the song, Joy to the World. Some of you are like, it's the second coming of Christ. Just, just I mean, you, you read through it. It's, it's about the second coming of Christ. It just is what it is. But we can sing about it at Christmas, okay? It's all right. We'll, we'll do it anyway. A joy to the world. Joy! Joy! That's what we should have as Christians. Christians should be the most joyful people to be around. Can I tell you the truth? Most of your family gatherings this last week, your lost relatives just didn't want to catch whatever it was you have. I know it's kind of a joke, but it's just the truth. Sometimes Christians are the most stuck in the mud, just like, man, I have no desire to be around you. You're just, you're depressing. You know, it's just, it's just, it's true. I mean, why would you want to be a Christian when, when you're always sad and depressed and worried and anxious? I mean, I hope you understand that you're a walking gospel. If you know Christ, and many times that message that you're giving is anything but the gospel. The life that you live, the way that you respond, it's, the gospel is supposed to be good news, but too often your mouth and, and your life is filled with everything but good news. Listen, hey, listen, I, I can sit at a table and I can, I can bash the economy with the best of them, okay? I mean, I can, but... Should we? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. I mean, but, you know, get them to our side and then, and then point to Christ. I mean, be positive, be excited, be, be joyful. Because the natural response to who God is should be a joyful, audible response. And then as we finish up, there's, there's another response that he says here. Not only should it be audible, but it should be thankful. A thankful response. Look, look in, again at verse number four. Enter to his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him, and bless his name. Do you know what it means to be thankful? Do you know what that means? Let's dive real deep this morning, okay? I'm going to shed some light for you, okay? It means this. It means to be full of thanks, okay? I know, like you're stunned at the, the academic scholarly of the person standing before you, but that's what it means. Thankful to be full of thanks. Gratitude ought to be the default attitude of the Christian life. And when your default attitude is gratitude, when your default attitude is thankfulness to God, you know what it results in? Blessing. Psalm, one, in Psalm 26, verse 7, he says, That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell all thy wondrous works. The same book, chapter 69, verse 30, he says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. God, you are so good. Psalm 95, verse number 2, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with, with psalms. Hey, there it is again. Hey, make a joyful noise. Whoa, God is good. Psalm 116, 17, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We'll call upon the name of the Lord. And so, and, and, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, and everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And Psalm 107, verse 2, 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You know what he says there? He says, listen, you've been redeemed. If you know Christ is your Savior, you've been redeemed. You've been plucked out of the hand of the enemy. He says, you ought to say something about it. There ought to be some gratitude, some thankfulness. There ought to be some noise coming from your life and from your lips. Because when you truly come to the place of realizing who God is, it will bring you to a place of thankfulness and praise to Him. You understand there's only two places in Scripture where someone asked God specifically, bless me. Once was in Genesis when Jacob wrestled with the angel and at the end of it he said, bless me. The other time was, was when Jabez prayed and he said, God bless me. Those are the two times in Scripture where people prayed and said, God bless me. Oh, but we could spend a lot of time looking at the verses that says, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Here's just a couple of them just for your appetizer, okay? You can go home and, and have the main course later. It says this in First Chronicles 29, verse number 20. And David said to all the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God and all the congregation. Bless the Lord God of their fathers and bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord the King. In Psalm 16, verse 7, he says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. In Psalm 26, verse 12, My foot standeth in an even place in the congregation. Will I bless the Lord? In Psalm 34, verse 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In Psalm 103 verses 1 and 2 he says, bless the Lord, O my soul and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul and forget not all His benefits. In Psalm 134 verse number 2 he says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. You see, we could go on and on and on and on, but I think the lesson is quickly learned that we should spend a whole lot less time saying God bless me and a whole lot more time saying God bless you. Because blessing God is a natural byproduct of a thankful spirit. And we ought to spend a whole lot of time saying, God, you are good. I want to bless you today. When's the last time you just prayed and, and you didn't say, God, would you bless me in this way? And would you bless this situation? And would you bless my family? And when we pray, we bless everybody, don't we? Uh, bless grandma and grandpa and bless aunts and uncles and bless the friends and bless the cousins and, and bless this situation over here. And, and I don't even think we know what that word means. I mean, we just throw it out there. Bless this and bless that and bless these things and all these different things. How much time do we just say, God, I, I want to bless your name? Because that's what they did in Scripture. That's what they did in Scripture. Friend, where is your attention this morning? When is the last time that you just stopped and turned your attention to the one who is your creator, your shepherd, who is always faithful? Because when we do, it should provoke a response. You know, it would be good for your kids to see and hear you audibly bless the Lord in your home. It'd be good for your family at the party to hear you audibly bless the Lord. Friend, it would be good in the church house for you to audibly bless the Lord. He's good, merciful, he's faithful. See, the way you respond to who God is could determine how someone else responds to the gospel you're supposed to be. Do you get that? The way that you respond to who God is 
could determine how someone else responds to the gospel that you are supposed to be. See, Christ has no hands but our hands to do His work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in His way. He has no tongue but our tongue to tell men how He died. He has no help but our help to bring them to His side. We are the only Bible this careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel. We are the scoffer's creed. We are the Lord's last message. Given in word and deed. What if the type is crooked? What if the print is blurred? What if our hands are busy with other works than His? What if our feet are walking where sin's allurement is? What if our tongues are speaking of things His lips would spurn? How can we hope to help Him or welcome His return? Friend, if we will turn our attention to the Lord and who He is, if we will respond with the audible, thankful response that we find in Psalm 100, we can only imagine what God could do through the lives of this room. Each one of you have a story to tell. Each one of you have, have a moment where you, you came to the Lord, if you know Christ is your Savior. Where He took you from the path on your way to an eternity in hell, and He put you on a path to an eternity in heaven. You have a story to tell. When's the last time you told it? Do we spend all our time Speaking with grief. How much time do we spend speaking about God? As we enter this busy season of the year, can we start this morning by turning our attention, our full attention, to the one who so deserves it? The one who is worthy. The one whom the psalmist points us to this morning in Psalm 100. May we choose to respond to him. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. We're going to have a, a brief time where you can respond to the Lord this morning. I hope that you will. I hope that you'll ask the Lord to help you to set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Oh, listen, I know things are going to be busy this holiday season. There's a lot of things that are going to be going on. There's going to be a lot of places that you're going to have to go. There's a lot of things that you have to do. There's no question about it. And there's nothing wrong with all of those things. But it'd sure be good to start this season by saying, God, I want to set my attention on you. I want to turn my eyes to you. And God, I, I, want to, I want to lift up my voice and praise you audibly. I want to lift up my voice and I want to praise you thankfully. Because God, you deserve it. You're my creator. You're a good shepherd. God, you're so worthy. I hope you respond to him today. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, let's stand together as the music plays. And if the Lord spoke into your heart this morning, I'd encourage you to respond to Him. Respond to Him. Maybe you need to come to an altar. Maybe you need to make your seat an altar. But I'd encourage you to respond to the Lord this morning. We spend so much of our life complaining and talking about things that really aren't drawing anybody to the Lord. We've been talking in James about the power of our tongue. Hope you realize that not to be used for God's glory.
Maybe that's your prayer this morning. God, would you just help my tongue to be used for your glory? I want to praise you. I want to lift you up. I come to you with thanksgiving. God, you're so worthy. Turn your attention to the Lord this morning. He's worthy.